This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. By Stephen Smith's book, The Lazarus Life, we began two weeks ago looking at Lazarus' story in John chapter 11 as a mirror of the Christian life. And last week we saw how Jesus loved Lazarus and he combined that love with an intentional delay in going to Bethany. When he arrived, Lazarus had died. It was in order for God's glory to be revealed. Today, we will focus on the tomb. The tomb is the place where we encounter Jesus' resurrection power. Our text is one verse. It allows us to just stay right with the tomb. John 11, verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, today is a mix of feelings. Mother's Day joy and tomb gloom in a national and global pandemic. We ask that by your Holy Spirit you would take the word And that you would minister to us wherever we are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A young mother of two was about to get a fresh start in life. After years of living in a physically abusive marriage, she was increasingly afraid of those of her children. She found an escape from this danger through the invitation of her sister. The young mother planned to drive across the country, secretly leaving her home with her children, arriving at her sister's home, living with the family until a new house could be built right next door. It was a beautiful plan. The two sisters were hopeful, and the cousins were ecstatic. With only days before her departure, a diagnosis came in. The mother had metastatic sarcoma, and it was immediately in need of removal and hospitalization. She loved removal and hospitalization. She remained where she was, and the following year, on May the 5th, she died. That was 25 years ago that my sister died. Her tomb brought an end to the dream that we all shared. There are times in life when we experience a tomb. 
For Lazarus, it was a physical tomb. His body was placed in a tomb hewn out of rock with a stone covering the entrance. Lazarus experienced a physical death. All of us will someday experience death. Psalm 89:48. Never see death. Father Martin is a priest and an author. He wrote an opinion for the New York Times, published in late March. He said, as a priest, I've heard an avalanche of feelings in the last month. Panic, fear, anger, sadness, confusion, and despair. More and more, I feel like I'm living in a horror movie, but the kind that I instinctively turn off because it's too disturbing. We all acknowledge this pandemic disturbs us to our core. It forces us to face our own mortality and the value of human life. I want to speak briefly about the human life and the necessity of facing our own mortality. You are of infinite value. Regardless of your age, your skin color, your nationality, or your family tree, your life is of infinite value. How do you know this? Because God came in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, in order to save you from sin and death. Your life has such value that no national treasury, no world resource could pay the price for your life. The price for your life cost God's own son. That's what it costs to redeem you. We need to face, our, to face our own mortality. Many people are afraid of death. John Ortberg, he has a friend in Minnesota whose pastoral duties include traveling to rural communities to conduct funerals. This man drives with the undertaker in a hearse in these distant locations. The man, one time, as they were leaving a rural community to return home, had an overwhelming fatigue come over him. I know many of us experience that, perhaps after lunch in the afternoon, but he felt like he needed a nap. And so he asked and got permission to lie down in the back of the hearse for the trip home. The undertaker pulled in to a service station up with gas, and the attendant happened to look in the window and was freaked out by a body stretched out in the back. And while he was filling the tank, Ortberg's friend woke up, opened his eyes, and went to the window and tapped and smiled and waved at the attendant. And he said that never had he seen anybody run so fast in all his life. 
Many people are afraid of death, but we need to face our own mortality. We should do so now. Jesus says in John chapter 12, the next chapter, verse 24, Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is not speaking just of our mortality. He is speaking of our willingness to give up our own program for happiness in order to live a fully fruitful life. We must die to self. We must let go of our self-directed, self-serving ways. Those who have died to self face their own mortality now. And they receive in its place a fullness that gives them the life of God now and trust and in confidence for the life that is yet to come. There are times that is yet to come. There are times when we experience a tomb. For Lazarus, it was a physical tomb. For Mary and Martha, it was an emotional tomb. We know from verses 21 and 32 of chapter 11, both sisters have the same response. They say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus was not there, and Lazarus did die. Their dream of a healthy brother came to a dead end. It put them into an emotional tomb where doubt overshadows hope. Have you entered such a tomb? Or when a marriage comes to an end. It can happen if there is abuse in the home or abuse from a person in authority. It can happen upon hearing that your job is no longer funded or your home is going into foreclosure. Your future is upended. In the Broadway musical based on Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables, in the Fantine, remembers when she was full of hope and life. It's a time that is now gone. We may find her, her song our own. I dreamed a dream in times gone by, when hope was high and life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiven. Tigers come at night with their voices soft as thunder, as they tear your hope apart, as they turn your dream to shame. I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living. So different now from what it seems. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. Have you entered into an emotional tomb? Jesus calls to you 
in whatever tomb you are in. There is another kind of tomb. It's a spiritual tomb. You are in a spiritual tomb when it feels like faith itself is in ICU. When what you know about God fails to answer the circumstances that you are in. Mary and Martha were confident in Jesus' love and his healing power. And that's why they sent for him. Jesus did not quickly come. And Lazarus died, placing Mary and Martha in a spiritual tomb. In a classic Christian book on spiritual growth titled The Critical Journey, the authors describe six stages in our journey of faith. Stage one, it begins with a spiritual awakening and curiosity about faith. Stage two is when we begin to voraciously learn and we find ourselves growing and seeking to obey. Stage three is when we begin to lead others and influence them, helping them as disciples. Stages four through six are more of stages four through six are more of an inward journey that produces such deep fruit that we have an outward life that looks like love. Between stages three and four, however, there is a wall. The wall represents a crisis of faith that challenges what we've come to know about God. You know that you are facing the wall when things just aren't working anymore and you are figuring that there's got to be more. I hit the wall around the time of my sister's death. It was a time which coincided with the loss of a multiple pregnancy. That wall feels like a spiritual tomb. It feels like you, but God does not abandon us. He never will. What abandons us is our limited image of God, our caricature of God. Pete Scazzaro, author of The Emotionally Healthy Leader and The Emotionally Healthy Church, observes that up to 85% of evangelical Christians never get through the wall to stages four through six. They stop at the wall because their understanding of God does not allow for such a difficult experience. The first point to remember is that there are times when we will experience a tomb, physical, emotional, or spiritual. Spiritual. Jesus meets us in the tomb with his resurrection power. But we will never know this power if we deny our tomb. That's the second point to remember. We must acknowledge our tomb. And oh, aren't we loath to do this? Died in the wool, New Englanders do not like to admit, admit that they have any kind of need. New Englanders place a high value on those who keep a stiff upper lip 
never complain, nor shed a tear. To acknowledge that one's life is tomb-like would be viewed by others as weakness. And no one is weak in New England. One parishioner complimented himself on not shedding a tear at his sister's funeral. It's not only New Englanders who are loath to acknowledge a tomb in their lives. It is Christians as well. Ask a Christian how they are doing, and 99% of the time you will hear what? I'm just fine. We are fine. That's how most Christians think they should answer. But look at how Paul answers. When the Corinthians want to know how he is doing, we heard it from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10. He does not say that he is fine. Instead, Paul tells it like it is. Verse 8 of First Second Corinthians chapter 1. We do not want you to be brothers and sisters of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Did you hear it? Paul, Christ's ambassador, the most famous missionary in the world, author of over one-third of our New Testament. He felt like he was in a tomb. This is the lowest ebb the human spirit can go. The Bible encourages us to share with one another what we are going through. When Christians share their problems and struggles freely and openly with one another, their sharing results in encouragement. Their sharing results in encouragement, not discouragement. Amy Carmichael did this. Amy Carmichael was a famous missionary who moved in 1895 from Ireland to southern India. She spent 53 years of her life caring for the physical and spiritual needs of the adults and orphans there. She wrote many books that inspire Christians today. One of those books, however, the publishers were hesitant to publish. It was titled, Things As They Are. In this book, Carmichael bluntly and truthfully wrote about the harsh realities of her life in southern India, the horrible conditions in which she worked. She refused to sugarcoat the truth. She shared that her life was tomb-like, which in turn encouraged other Christians to find Christ in their own dead-end experiences. If a fellow believer asks you how you were doing, how will you respond? Will you tell it like it is? If you do not have someone to share this with, or if you just can't bring yourself to share it with anyone, take out a journal and write your thoughts and prayers to God. Share with God 
whatever tomb you are in. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, pour out your hearts to him. Why is acknowledgement of the tomb so important? It's because if we pretend that it does not exist, we will settle for something less than authentic transformation of our lives. So here's the third point. The tomb is where Jesus brings authentic transformation. It's the tomb in which God does the unthinkable. Jesus did not leave Lazarus in the tomb, and he will not leave you in the tomb either. When I came to a dead end, initiated by the death of my sister and the loss of our unborn babies, I found myself in a spiritual and emotional tomb. But God met me there. And he raised me to a life with him that was more, that was more. It was better than I had ever imagined. There is no tomb and there is no life so broken that God will not transform it with his resurrection power. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 9 and 10. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us. On him, we have set our hope. He will rescue us again. Did you hear it? Whatever dead-end tomb you may be in, God will raise you up. Paul found God rescuing him in the present. Paul had confidence that God would rescue him in the future. Do you have this testimony? Do you have this confidence? It's yours for the asking. It's in the tomb that we experience Jesus' resurrection power that authentically transforms our life. I close with an illustration of authentic transformation. My brother, Rob, and my sister-in-law, Roxy, live outside of Houston. They both have experienced one form of tomb or another. Though Rob's career is in biomedicine, he now works part-time behind a counter at CVS Pharmacy, ministering to weary customers with a personal word and sincere care. Rob battles with chronic leukemia. He teases me that he has plenty of energy if he gets 12 hours of sleep at night, followed by 12 one-hour naps during the day. Roxy is a retired paralegal who helps make ends meet by working part-time at Starbucks in the early morning hours. Both Rob and Roxy 
know Jesus' resurrection power that authentically transforms their lives into living hope. Recently, Roxy shared with me four points of why they live outside of the tomb. Point one, she says, I decided early on not to stand in fear because of this pandemic. I've chosen the better thing, to stand in Psalm 91, the first thing every morning. Point two, I believe in the goodness of our magnificent creator and his beautiful protection of us. Point three, I cannot wait to behold all the good things that God has planned for us on the other side of COVID-19. And point four, I am certain that in a heart, it is a heart of gratitude that will bring us through every day of this pandemic, finding all the wee miracles right under our noses happening all around us. The tomb, the tomb is the place where the resurrection happens. You do not belong in the tomb. Jesus calls you out to an authentically transformed life through his resurrection power. Remember, when you reach a dead end, it is not the end. Jesus Christ is your living hope. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would be living hope for us. It's in your name that we pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.